Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Three hours and 19 minutes. Multiple law enforcement entries. DSO, get up here. That's the amount of time it took for the National Guard to arrive at the Capitol uh, after the initial emergency frantic request for aid that came from Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun that day. And that's at the heart now of what lawmakers are trying to understand in terms of why it took the Pentagon that long to react when the Capitol was under siege Lawmakers are running for their lives. And the symbol of democracy was breached in a way it hadn't been since the War of 1812. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... The danger was very clear, and the lack of urgency on the Pentagon side is what really stands out. Kyle Cheney on new details that have surfaced in the story behind the critical hours that went by before reinforcement arrived at the Capitol during the January 6th insurrection. I call to order this second joint hearing of the Rules and Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committees on examining the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. So Wednesday's hearing was the second in a series by a couple of Senate committees trying to understand the security failures that led to the uh, January 6th insurrection, or at least enabled them to overtake the Capitol. Today's hearing, we will continue our committee's important work to get answers that will lead us to solutions following the horrific events at this Capitol on January 6th. And what we learned was that On the military end of things, the National Guard deployment that took several hours to arrive at the Capitol, even after things were dire, that there was a long delay between when the head of the D.C. National Guard first requested emergency help and when the senior officials at the Pentagon actually approved that help. At 1.49 p.m., I received a frantic call from then Chief of United States Capitol Police Stephen Sun. The approval for Chief Sun's request would eventually come from the acting Secretary of Defense and be relayed to me by Army senior leaders at 5.08 p.m. A gap of three hours and 19 minutes, actually, and that's become now the focal point of this investigation is what happened in those three hours and 19 minutes before final approval was given to send the guard to the Capitol. I had already had guardsmen on buses at the armory ready to move to the Capitol. Consequently, at 5.20 p.m., less than 20 minutes, the District of Columbia National Guard arrived at the Capitol. So the most important testimony Wednesday came from Major General William Walker. He's the head of the D.C. National Guard. I would have sent them there immediately. As soon as I hung up, my next call would have been to my subordinate commanders, get every single guardsman in this building and everybody that's helping the Metropolitan Police, remission them to the Capitol without delay. He called out his, you know, the people in the chain of command above him for dragging their feet on the response to the emergency request for aid. And he gave his side of the story, the the timeline of what happened that day, said he got an emergency call from the head of the Capitol Police at 1.49 p.m. So it's about an hour after these rioters had broken into the Capitol or were starting to break in. Chief Sun, his voice cracking with emotion, indicated that there was a dire emergency at the Capitol. 
Uh, and Sund was frantic, he said, and he said, get us whatever help you can, as fast as you can, as many, tr- many guard troops as you can, quickly. And he requested the immediate assistance of as many available National Guardsmen that I could muster. Walker says he immediately took that request up the chain at the Pentagon and said, let's go. Started getting people ready to go. In anticipation of a green light, a go, uh, we put Guardsmen on buses. We brought them inside the armory so nobody would see them putting on the equipment. And, and then they just buses. waited. But at 5 o'clock, I decided, hey, you know, we gotta, we're, there's got to be an approval coming, so get on the buses get the equipment on, get on the buses and just wait. They just waited for that approval that, that didn't ultimately come until 5.08 p.m. That's that three-hour, 19-minute gap. And he is perplexed as to why it took that long. And one of the most important things he mentioned was over the summer during the violence uh, related to the, the post-George Floyd protests, the head of the army was literally sitting with him in a room, giving him real-time authority to send aid to law enforcement. The secretary of the army was with me for most of that week. He came to the armory. Uh, I was in constant communication with him when he when we were not together. So you were immediately able to to uh, to receive approval in June of twenty. From your testimony, I want to be clear. You were, were, were you able to immediately receive approval from the Secretary of the Army and the Secretary of Defense to deploy the National Guard on January 6th? No, sir. Here, he said, the head of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, was not in real-time touch with him, despite knowing full well the threat to the Capitol that was happening that day. It was on every TV, and he still uh, couldn't reach him in real time. Wow. So where does the Secretary of the Army say he was during this time? Does he have any explanation for why approval wasn't given sooner? So Ryan McCarthy, the the secretary of the army, has not given his full side of the story yet. And in fact, we may hear from him in the near future. We know that senators want to hear from him now that we've heard William Walker's story. But the Pentagon did give their response or sort of rebuttal to Walker, where they said, look, it takes a long time to move, to mobilize from zero the National Guard to get there. So, you know, a three-hour, 19-minute delay is actually blazing fast for something this intensive when there wasn't already a plan in place to make that happen. And they said that there were actually approvals that were given on the Pentagon side at, you know, shortly after 3 o'clock. You know, the the acting Secretary of Defense gave his initial approval to mobilize the Guard, and there were a bunch of procedural things that had to happen. The uh, McCarthy was trying to understand the mission there. Were they going to go inside the Capitol? Were they going to just guard the perimeter? And, And so once all of that was ironed out, they gave a final approval at 4.30, and that was communicated to Walker at 5.08. So there was stuff happening in the interim. It wasn't like they just sat on their hands. At least that's how the Pentagon uh, described what was going on. What do you make of that defense? I mean, as someone who doesn't really know a whole lot about this, three hours seems kind of wild. I mean, you have mm-hmm. the U.S. Capitol, like the beacon of democracy in this country, being attacked by rioters. And you have three hours of, of what they're saying is like, administrative decisions mm-hmm. going on. It just seems kind of ridiculous to me. It, but It is. It, it's it's really shocking. You know, Vice, Vice President Pence was evacuated at 2.30 p.m. These individuals just rushed through security. They are inside Statuary Hall. This is a legendary 
a legendary place. Uh, where and it still took another two and a half hours before there was final approval to send the guard in. This is an incredibly dangerous situation that's unfolding here in the United States. It's uh, stunning, Wolf. It's absolutely stunning. And it's quite frankly dangerous. Uh, President Trump could stop this with one tweet, but instead he's on Twitter attacking Vice President Pence for refusing to go along. So, I mean, the danger was very clear, and the lack of urgency on the Pentagon side is what really stands out. And one of the things Walker also described was even after that 149 request that he made, they had a 2.30 call with with the Capitol Police, with other Secret Service, other security officials, and the Pentagon, you know, senior officials at the Pentagon, and everyone on that call, other than the Pentagon officials, have said they were shocked at the nonchalance of the Pentagon side and how they said they were worried about the optics of sending armed guard troops to the Capitol, how they you know, really didn't seem inclined yes. to help. During the phone call with, uh, with the District of Columbia uh, leaders, the deputy mayor, chief son, Dr. Rodriguez, who was talking about optics, were General Flynn and General Pyatt. And, and they both said it wouldn't be in their best military advice to advise the Secretary of the Army to have uniformed guards members at the Capitol during the election confirmation. So I want to go back to the state, the question I started. You said that uh, you were able to get immediate uh, authorization in the summer of 2020 during those uh, protests. Uh, General Walker, was the issue of optics ever brought up by Army leadership when the D.C. National Guard was deployed during the summer of 2020? Was, was that discussed? It was never discussed uh, the week of June. It was never discussed July 4th when we were supporting the city. It was never discussed August 28th when we supported the city. And so that's another one of those things that stands out that we have to get to the bottom of because the lack of urgency, even while we know Vice President Pence was just minutes away, escaped by minutes of confronting this mob, uh, is really uh, a jarring fact. You're one of our reporters who's been tracking like every detail of of this riot and the fallout from it since it all happened on January 6th. You've been watching hours of congressional testimony, reading through court filings of rioters who've who've been charged in the insurrection. I know, you know, the official account is still being parsed out, but what is your personal understanding of what happened and what went wrong that day. I mean, I'm not asking you to place blame here, but like if if mm. if you have to tell someone like why did this happen the way it did, what would you say? There's multiple reasons and, and again the, the specifics are still being unearthed right now. This stuff with Walker and the Pentagon is is all new information pretty much and there's going to there's a lot more to learn, but you know, there's multiple failures and I think they've come out a little bit. One is that the intelligence just did not suggest that there was going to be a coordinated insurrection at the Capitol. There was going to be violence that, that police us are used to handling at these large rallies and events that everyone understood, but they never envisioned that it was going to morph into this coordinated, concerted attack on the Capitol. That's that's number one. And they really, it, it tells us about weaknesses in their visibility into some of these militia groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. They're the two that have really been the most notorious in the aftermath of the 6th. They were the ones who planned for weeks, even in some cases openly on social media, um, but also privately, and assembled, you know, groups, pretty large groups to lead the attack on the Capitol. Uh, the details of those are still coming out in these court filings, 
But the fact is they were very organized and because they were so organized that may have inspired or motivated even people that weren't associated with them to follow the herd into the building and create the atmosphere of this riot and allow the more serious, more violent elements to uh, get in under the cover of this broader group. Kyle Cheney, thanks so much for talking with me. Great to be here. Also today, in a break with other Republican governors in the South, Governor Kay Ivey is extending Alabama's mask order for another month. Ivey announced the move on Thursday after Mississippi and Texas's governors earlier this week said that they were lifting their mandates, which prompted criticism from President Biden, who called their actions Neanderthal thinking. Ivy has been under pressure to lift orders like other GOP allies, but says that masks are, quote, one of our greatest tools in preventing the spread of the virus and is keeping the order in place until April 9th, though she says at that date, the requirement will end for good and become a matter of personal responsibility. And new polling says a majority of New Yorkers don't want Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign as he faces dual scandals over allegations of sexual harassment and claims he hid the number of deaths of nursing home residents. According to a Quinnipiac poll released on Thursday, most residents are opposed to him seeking a fourth term, but only 40% say he should resign, while 55% say he should not. Most Democrats are sticking with him, with only 21% saying he should leave office. Cuomo, for his part, says he does not plan to resign. The Politico Dispatch production team includes senior producer Jenny Ament and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.